What's up, lady ballers? Welcome back. We're soccer props, and it's game time. Hi, Meg. Hello. Hi. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. So excited to get to talk to you. You have <laughs> oh. like the best Twitter account for like informative quotes <laughs> in, in the moment, like <laughs> things. Oh my goodness. What What is always really tough is trying to live tweet while also being unmuted on Zooms. That has been kind of the the joy because it used to be like if you were in a like a press conference, right? You were just sitting in a room and no, everyone was typing on their laptop, but now it's like your mic is open. You don't want to get it turned off. So you're quiet, trying to very quietly be like, well, I saying this, right? So, <laughs> so funny. 2020, 2021 problems. Yeah, right. The challenges now. So, yeah. So I, we know your time's limited. So we really appreciate you hopping on and we just would love to get your opinion of the roster and everything. Um, if you want to go through like by position or if you want to just like, go around right. I mean yeah I would say just start us off and go for it I feel like I have done nothing but think about this roster for about six months so I don't Perfect. think we're gonna hit anything did you, I don't have at least one thought about it at this point I was gonna say did you have in your head like do you play the game of like you try and come up with who they're gonna come up with before it actually comes out yeah and I think I think Flacco is pretty easy at this point like the only thing I was really surprised by was Mitch was Mitch Purse yes a lot of people were. We were like, so, yeah, like who are who are you upset not to see? And so many people were upset not to see her. Yeah, I think with Midge, it's really interesting just because, you know, and, and I, I said this in some of my reporting, like they they have her learn a new position, right? Like there is the conversion into an outside back. But then in the summer series, right, which is kind of like this last look of like we want to evaluate players, it's not necessarily the only data point that's going to be considered, but that experiment of the first half against Jamaica as a, as a forward. And then the second half as an outside back, I just kept thinking like that is such a specific experiment, right? Like that is really a, a test of can she play multiple roles, potentially even in the same game, right? Like what is she, what is her movement? Like what happens with the rest of the team? Also, if she makes that shift, like it clearly was a very specific experiment. And there was both positive and critical feedback after that match for her. But the critical feedback was really applied to everyone of just like everyone's finishing right now is in a very weird space, right? Like this team should be capable of scoring a lot more goals than what they're actually scoring. And so the critical feedback was just like, she needs to be more patient, but that's everyone right now. Right. And so after that, I was kind of like, why would you do that if it's not going to, like if that's not data that's specifically being used for evaluation and, and potentially Olympic play. And then, so to see the, the final roster, I was kind of like, all right, interesting. But I think Midge has been put in a very difficult position of trying to be good at two positions. Mm-hmm. And that's a tall thing to ask of a player. It's a very tall ask. It could be planting an early seed for, developing her into that into that role I guess because that is that's a lot to ask of a player um and I felt like this the roster that was chosen was much more of like the, a retro roster than I was expecting it to be I thought you know there would be some young names that surprisingly took some places of some of the people that I loved watching in the last ones um but it, it seems a lot more like not the old school team but like really a, a close repeat of what we had Right. I mean, Christy Mewis is the only player not on the 2019 World Cup roster to make the Olympic roster. 
There also, though, isn't, I think there was more rotation in, in 2016 following the 2015 World Cup, but that was because a lot of players retired, right? Which is not necessarily where those retirements come. As we know, like we tend to work in four-year cycles. Yeah. And the Olympics is always that close follow-up to the World Cup and you just kind of maintain, right? Mm-hmm. And the year delay both allowed all of these players like Alex Morgan, Carly Lloyd, Megan Rapino to get time off and to come back and still have the fight for the spots. But at the same time, you also have Katarina Macario being uh, given her FIFA eligibility to play for the U.S., right? You have Midge Purse making a case for this roster. You have a couple goalkeepers coming up potentially, right? Like, so everybody is now kind of ready at the same time. But fundamentally, I think what we've always seen with the U.S. Women's National Team is that the Olympic roster is just kind of a continuation because there has never been a need for turnover. So the question got gets asked for the first time ever really like do you kind of ignore the cycle and start making these changes and start thinking about like do we actually treat this as a development opportunity ahead of 2023 and say some of these players you know might not necessarily have lost a step but you know a lot of discussion yesterday was about like who's ready right now and the answer that they came to was the roster basically that we had in, in 2019 is still ready is still has this big game experience, which I think it's hard to quantify that, but that's going to be a major factor, especially for someone's uh, head coach's first major tournament experience. Like you look at Carly Lloyd and you're like, okay, well (laughs) we know what you can do. (laughs) Right. So I think that also even benefited players though lower down on this 18 player lot roster, because I think a lot of us were looking at pretty much the final midfield spot. You know what four of them are going to be, even yeah. with Julia, it's hurt. You know what four of them are going to be. It's who's getting number five. And that comes down to Macario or Christy Mewis. And so then the question became, do you treat it as that development opportunity or do you add someone to this roster? Who's going to help you win right now? And I think we got the answer, which is Christy Mewis is going to help you win a game right now. Yes, you you actually posted a quote from uh, that you asked Blacko about him, and he was like, "She's come so far and had was coming off a wonderful NWSL career for the last season and a half before she was hurt, um, and that what in the in this in these moments and the last times that he's given her opportunities, she's proven that right now she's yes. crucial, right." And, and she is, it doesn't matter if she's getting five minutes or if she's getting a start, right? Every time that she's getting that opportunity, like first she earns the opportunity through NWSL play, him coming back and saying like, no, Christine Mewis is performing for Houston, right? So let's get her back in. Let's, let's look at the mix. There are so many factors that players are being judged on. And part of it is performance. Part of it is one of the new words that we've heard a lot of is durability. Thanks to the, the format of the Olympic tournament. But Christy Mewis, I think, Steph Young said this in in our article yesterday, like she's playing without fear right now. You know, this is kind of the chance for her. This is the roster that she's going to make, I think. And so Christy Mewis is, I think, the pressure. I I don't think I would want to be Christy Mewis waiting for that roster to actually be named, right? I think it was probably a very stressful process. But at the same time, I think she's also playing with the freedom of, I'm not someone coming up and I've got all this pre- Katarina Macario has already gotten the kind of generational talent thing put around her 
and that's a lot of pressure. And I think she's handling it very well. I've, I've spoken to her a few times. I think she's got a really good head on her shoulders. I'm so impressed by her. She's tearing it up in France, but she's also going to get so many chances. And I think this team is going to be built with her in mind, looking at 2023. But again, for me, it's like, this is the chance. Right. And there's something freeing to that. And then there's also probably something that is awful to that. But I'm actually like, that's the, the comeback story that I'm really was just so happy to see. Cause that is like, first off, really unheard of for someone to be a U.S. Women's National Team player so many years ago. Right. Kind of trickled off and lost that. And then you couple in a major injury with it. And to be able yes. to come back, like I, I had always felt like, oh, Sammy replaced Christy. And I was like, yeah. that's so sad. That must be so frustrating. But to see them both on this roster is like a feel good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Everyone says they want that to be a movie. I would love that. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, I, as someone who watched Christy Mewis play at BC, right. And then come up through NWSL, but you know, she's spoken a lot about the injury forced her to make the decision of like, am I going to come back and just kind of do this to do it? Or am I going to come back and actually truly put in the work to potentially make the national team again, to be the player for my NWSL club. And, you know, like the switch got, got flipped for her. And I think to see her earn her way back on, I, I keep saying it like, I just don't think we can talk enough about Christy Mewis and kind of the overall journey of her soccer career, because it is unlike really anything else that we have seen, especially for the national team. I love it. Do you think that Vlaco, unlike in the past, is he someone that looked more at league play than other coaches have? I think, you know, he comes from NWSL, right? So I think he also has a better sense of a lot of these players in terms of like what maybe works for national team versus club play. Mm -hmm. So I think that there has been some reaction where, you know, for, for Christy, right. His answer to me was like, she is a product of NWSL. And then I think there is some frustration of like, well, if NWSL form is going to count, then why isn't it counting for other players potentially? But I think that, you know, it's one of like eight things, right. That is being accounted for at any given time. But I do think that NWSL, he watches everything. He watches everything. And I think he's also watching specifically for tasks like for someone like Christy Mewis. What are her off the run, off the ball runs like? How is she occupying space? Is she freeing up other players? Because it's how she is playing in NWSL that could potentially fit into the U.S. national team system. Mm -hmm. So I think form counts, but I think it counts in a very specific way that is also maybe hard for us to judge for ourselves it's not just like are you scoring goals in the NWSL right now that is important but it's what have I specifically told players that I want to see out of them and are they executing that at at national team camps and games and are they executing that in NWSL games and we don't know what those asks might be yeah that's so but true he's watching he's watching I like that he came from NWSL because that it does feel more connected to, to the league. Sometimes I've always just been like, I wouldn't even associate who was playing great in the league with who was chosen. Cause it, there was such dissociation between the two things, but it's nice to kind of see it. Yeah. I don't think we're at like full, you know, the approach to the women's national team and something like the men's national team is so different, right? Like, and I think that's where some of this tension comes from is that 
because the women's national team still really does like they spend so much time together, right? Like you are not really basing this off of who's in form, right? Like you're actually building this as a team, as opposed to the men's national team where it is like, okay, who's playing well. And you're, you know, like you're, yeah, you're trying to pick and say like, okay, how do we build the team out of all of these pieces? Whereas with the women, it's really, we do have a team and maybe do we pick another piece from the NWSL where their form is good and could potentially work in the system, but you're coming at it from two very different directions. Mm -hmm. And I think eventually we will start to see some more of how the men's national team is maybe constructed where it is kind of, they're not going to spend as much time together, but you also need to get the NWSL in a stronger place, right? Where that is happening. And the calendar also, I think needs to, you know, hopefully someone can just kind of trap everyone in a room and, and be like, you have to figure out this calendar together. You have to figure <laughs> the calendar out. You're, you're taking like half the season is messed up. Yeah. 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 And I think that has been always, always, always one of the complaints about NWSL generally plays second fiddle to both FIFA. But you, I mean, you have to respect FIFA windows. So that's one thing, but then all the other stuff on top of that. Right. And so that really, you know, can everyone kind of sit in a room and say, okay, let's look at this calendar and figure out what benefits everyone and how do we move on from it? And potentially also, you know, opens up the calendar for if NWSL wants to do more club stuff with either Liga MX Feminine or bring over, you know, like something like the ICC tournament or the new one in Louisville this year, like you've got potential for a lot of other stuff to go onto this calendar and the NWSL should potentially start looking at, you know, we're, we're now at a much longer, you know, February one for preseason, the championship is in November. This is a much longer calendar than we've ever had before, but you've got to, that is, that is number one on, on like a sock in terms of there's always going to be business priorities for the NWSL are there soccer priorities happening? But if there are soccer priorities happening and there are people in the room making a decision from a soccer point of view, calendar, number one. It could only help game yeah. attendance and everything. So I please. Oh, you did. Yeah, but you're good. <laughs> we heard it. Um, I was going to ask uh, the, goal t- the goalkeeper decision. This is always a hard one during the Olympics because your roster is limited to 18 and you're kind of depending on if you have a freak accident or not. Like, Oh, yeah. You- let me, let me see if that, does that help at all? You're not frozen now. Yeah. I think okay. that's- I'll start my that. question. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, what is your opinion with the goalkeeper decisions? Goal- the goalkeeper decisions for the Olympics is always difficult because your roster is so limited and you can only choose two. Some will choose a third in case of a crazy freak circumstance. But uh, how do you feel about the decisions of Adriana French and Alyssa Nair? Yeah, I mean, I think French is absolutely the right call. Um, Nair still seems pretty locked in as this number one. But I think French as number two, as soon as she got called back in for summer series, right, she had been kind of like out of the loop for a while coming back from injury. But again, if you want to talk about NWSL form being... <laughs> A factor here, I think French has really shown through NWSL play, like, okay, we got to get her back in. We've got to give her a look. She's the only goalkeeper who is an Alyssa Nair getting minutes in summer series. So I think that one was the one where we could actually like 
read into that decision and be like, it's going to be French. Mm-hmm. It's going to be French. Um, I think Jane Campbell is, has definitely been in the mix, but I think, you know, picking her as an alternate, I understand that logic. I know that there has been a lot of discussion about Ashlyn Harris, who has also been in very good form for Orlando pride, but this is where I think it's just tough in terms of, you know, Ashlyn Harris is not going to be the number one goalkeeper for the U S national team at this point, which is really, I mean, it just speaks again to the depth, right. And the fact that the national team has also never really figured out a way to kind of pass the torch in an effective fashion, right? Like she's always just kind of been sitting behind someone else this entire career for her. But at this point, I think you also have to realize like she's not going to be in the mix for 2023 and you've got to figure out, okay, who is potentially is Alyssa Nair still the number one starting goalkeeper for the U S in the 2023 world cup. If not, is it French? Mm -hmm. And then Campbell, I think, is potentially in the mix for that as well. So in terms of like who we are looking at there, that's one of the few areas where I think development does actually still kind of play a role. I've always felt like there's like everyone is still waiting on like who will be the next Hope Solo for the U.S. Women's National Team. Like that has been and it's been such a weird feeling because I feel like no one's gotten to fully take that role on yet because there has been a lot of change I mean Elsinair has been now the most consistent one but for a while there was like this uncertainty where every game I was like I don't know who's going to be the one that's yeah it's it's crazy it's got to be keeping them on edge and on their toes 24 7. Yeah and I think for me the thing that I'm looking at too is we've already you know French and Campbell are both slightly older already right so is there someone coming up like maybe a Casey Murphy, potentially someone else who is in that 20, 21, 22 years old, where you start grooming them now in a way that this team has never done that, right? Never. (laughs) Where you're actually trying to get in on the ground floor, get them significant minutes, get them in big game environments, and then potentially have your number one goalkeeper for another huge run of time. But that has not really been once hope got in, right? Like that, that whole kind of strategy. I, it just has never done well yeah. in this national team of figuring out like, is there someone younger in the pool where we start thinking it's not just backup minutes or, you know, I, I did an analysis of goalkeeper minutes. I want to say like a year ago. And it was just for everyone, not Nair, extremely grim. And it's just like, what happens that like, what happens after Nair? Yeah. What yeah. are we doing? <laughs> what will what will our fate be if that had to happen? Yeah. Yeah. Is there anyone else um that you wished had made the roster besides Makara? Or is there anyone that you thought would have slipped in there? Yeah, I think you know, Purse and Macario were really up there. Lynn Williams, I think, was also I felt like a very long lock for like a very long time because she was getting so many minutes. She works really well within the system that Blacko and Donofsky wants to to play like I know that there are a lot of discussions about her finishing but in terms of how she works in the press her defensive work from the top right like that's exactly what she brings from the North Carolina courage Mm -hmm. and I think this is another player where you look at NWSL form and you look at what she does for the club it's kind of like this works right like it, it does translate and then she she makes alternate but I also think for, for me, like that's the direct question of like, do you risk it on Tobin Heath, that, that final roster spot for the forwards, or do you put Lynn Williams in who is 
the safer pick in my opinion. Right. And we know in terms of if you're coming, if you're trying to like do a game changing substitution for me, like that's kind of where you're looking at them both in the same way. Yeah. And I think Tobin Heath is like a purely offensive game changing, uh, sub and Lynn Williams would be kind of both sides of the ball, but potentially more defensive from the top line up. And so I don't know, it's a tough call, right? And this is just where I think Vlako Andonovsky has the worst <laughs> job. Uh, you know, like I think his job is great. I would never, never, ever want to have to make these sorts of decisions where you're picking between, again, like two players that any other national team would absolutely kill to have, right? Like Vlako Andonovsky is making decisions that I think no other team is really making in terms yeah. of the level of and quality of players. But Lynn Williams, I think, was kind of a surprise for me just because I think we saw with Tobin Heath out injured what she was adding to the team, especially in terms of the press, Mm -hmm. which is a system that they do really like to put into effect. And that was really why I was very sure that that Lynn was actually probably in a pretty good spot. But then we've seen over the past couple of games that top line of Rapino Morgan press right at the moment. Yeah. And I think that's probably pretty locked in for the starting line. I was going to say, Kristen Press has just yeah. become, she is just involved in every, in yes. every goal, what, besides one yeah. last 35 she's been directly involved with. She, right. I, and I, I, I never, she was never that much of a game changer to me in like the past seasons watching her. She like literally like makes a very distinct difference on the field now. In the, in the yes. I mean, in terms of the forward line, Kristen Press is, I, I would even argue the front six, Kristen Press is the player for this team right now. Mm-hmm. So very crucial for them that a, like she stays in this form and b you know, like knock on, on everything would right that nothing happens in terms of like the team right at the moment is really all the big question marks are just the injury related things in terms of Julie Ertz. The update was not nearly as far along as I kind of expected. Like she's not really expected to get anything um in the two send-off games and they're looking at closed door games in japan for her return and then tobin heath is kind of a question mark in terms of you know how much she'll get so yeah it is it is going to be those are the those are the two risks of does that decision pay off and you know we've seen that same risk being taken in 2016 by the national team with megan rapino who is not quite back in time mm-hmm. um so that's kind of you know, we're not going to know until August if it's it all works out, they, they succeed despite it, or we're going to get another very instructive exit from the Olympics. But again, 2016 is directly tied into a 2019 mm-hmm. World Cup win. So when, when do they have until to change the alternates? Is there like a certain- So the alternates are locks. So now it's basically if they make any changes to the 18 player roster, it has to come from the Uh alternates there is also this potential you know netherlands and i think a couple other countries are petitioning fifa and the ioc to have the alternates just become full members of the roster and i would expect us has not really you know they're just kind of like we're watching it publicly I, i would bet anything behind the scenes there probably is also some discussion that's happening they they did i think flacco confirmed that they have spoken to the Netherlands about this request. So I think, you know, it has to happen soon. (laughs) It's going to happen, but that is also, um, it can happen at any point. 
to. So it, it is at least knowing, okay, th- there are four other players. I think, honestly, we're probably going to see more alternates use in this Olympics than we've ever seen in any other Olympics, just because of the nature of, of this. And, you know, COVID tests could play a role here. Injuries could play a role here. Players are super overused right now too, right? Like this has been the struggle of every major international tournament. I mean, England and Euros right now, it's like, who's got a working hamstring left, right? So, True. yeah. Really quick to touch on the defenders too. Is there anyone in, in the six ever chosen for the defenders that you're really happy to see or that you were surprised to see? I think that was probably one of the easier ones to predict for sure. I mean, we've got a pretty locked in back line at this point. Emily Sonic gives you positional versatility across three different positions. So I think she was always probably going to be in the mix. Turner Davidson is kind of that next back line stalwart in waiting. I'm excited. Yeah. So I, I think that defenders, I was always kind of, you know, I think Midge was the big question mark right on that one and so with her out I think that was kind of pretty easy to figure out what direction that was going to trend in but four of those spots were always that's that's the the terrible part of this roster is you kind of know like four of those spots are locked right in the midfield four of those spots are locked in the forward line I think was kind of the biggest potential opening but even that it's like mm, three of those spots are pretty locked Mm -hmm. so you know, Vlako Andonovsky this entire time, anytime someone would be like, hey, how many roster spots are really open here? And he'd be like, 18. And it's like, yes, <laughs> technically, in actuality, no, but thank you for thinking. You know, and that's the same for the players, though. Becky Sauerbrunn saying, I'm not going to think I'm on this roster until I get the phone call, which is a good, that's what you want out of, out of the players. Yeah. Even Carly Lloyd was super like, if I make it, I'm going to be really excited. But it was like, she spoke about it as an if. Yeah. yeah. And I think that is a very common thing across this team is no players ever going to take a call up for granted. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that there were absolutely players that could have probably taken the call up for granted, but that has been drilled into this team of if it happens, it happens. And, and that's how you're going to talk about it. Yeah. I would love to have seen all of them get the call. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed the video of Kaylin Sheridan, right, yes. getting the call for, for Canada yeah. and her teammates from Gotham FC just trying to quietly lose it while <laughs> she is still on the phone with Bev Priestman, and she's like, please calm down. <laughs> when I watched her on that phone call, I was like, this is sounds like when I was talking to my principal in middle school, like, she hell like <laughs> the small talk of just yeah. like, I've got to get through this small talk. <laughs> That was a really, really great video, though. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Meg, for coming on. This was awesome. I kind of want to, like, watch every game with you over the Olympics. You're so knowledgeable. Like, it's fantastic. (laughs) Can all wake up at 4 a.m. together. It's going to be amazing in terms of time difference is going to be absolutely brutal. So not as bad as Russia. Maybe will it be worse than when it was in Russia? Cause yeah, I mean, I got very used to, I think when in the 2018 winter Olympics, I'm a very big like USA women's hockey fan. And those games were all starting at like three 30 in the morning. So it's just, it wasn't real impossible. <laughs> like you can't, it was just like, you would have to go to bed take a nap, wake up for the not game. Sure. And then, yeah. yeah. And just be like, all right, well, it's bad no matter what. So <laughs> I was gonna say, before you go, 
plug your podcast yeah. and your book because I think both are amazing and that people need to hear about them. Thank you. Uh, so I host a podcast at The Athletic called Full Time with Meg Linehan. I'm also very happy because we now have a second full-time women's soccer writer at The Athletic, Steph Young, who has been living the roster with me. So if you want to see the before and after of when it was dropped, we have both episodes up. And then I just um, had my first book published, which is um, kind of a, a soccer book disguised as, as a self-help book called Secrets of Success, but it is all about Megan Rapino and how we can learn to basically use our platforms in a little bit more of an effective way. So I love it. Amazing. I can't wait to read it. It is. A, I will say it's a fast read. So <laughs> I don't get to the car for a four hour drive right now. So I'll yeah. read it then. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Everybody should follow you on Twitter because your Twitter is legit. <laughs> it is we'll unbiased in the, in the description of this for okay. sure. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it is. It is always. I think when I started at the athletic, I had like just over ten thousand followers. So for me, it has been a very strange. Like, oh god, like people have me on like the the notifications. I'm like, that is too much pressure, and I still shit post. So guys, like, I'm sorry in advance. So <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. So this will be going out tomorrow. Um, tomorrow morning. So okay, perfect. All right. Thank you so Sounds much. Good. Yeah, I'll definitely bump it. Yeah, thank you so much for fitting us in. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get to go to Harpoon right now and go taste test the yes, Sam U.S. beers. Oh, so I'm very, very excited for that. They're they're letting me like meet the brewer that helped them. And I'm just like, this is going to be, cannot believe this is work. That's so. cool. <laughs> I love it. Living the dream. I know, right? <laughs> All right. Take care. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. 